On this podcast, we discuss medical diagnoses and procedures. All of the guests express their own opinions. You should always seek medical advice from a trained and credentialed professional when making decisions about your own health. Welcome to the Sleep Apnea Stories podcast. I'm Emma Cooksey, and I've been coping with sleep apnea since childhood. I didn't know anyone in my life with a sleep disorder, so I decided to start this podcast. I'm here to build community and provide a platform for people with sleep apnea to tell their stories. Together, we can shatter stereotypes and raise awareness. We'll be exploring all sorts of treatment options and lifestyle choices to help you live your best life with sleep apnea. This is Sleep Apnea Stories, and I'm so glad you're here. Hey there, it's Emma Cooksey here, and I'm your host. So a couple of things this week. Um, on Saturday, I talked at a virtual um, conference run by the PCOS PCOSAA. So it's the Polycystic Ovarian Syndrome Awareness Association. And that's a great organization. I had um, PCOS. So for people not familiar, that's uh, an endocrine um, issue that some women have where we miss periods and there's all sorts of different symptoms. And one of the things often affecting um, women with PCOS is disruption to their sleep. And we just need way more research. Like there are people looking at links between sleep apnea and PCOS. Um, Cause it seems like a lot of people with PCOS do develop sleep apnea, but we don't have the data yet to kind of say exactly what's happening there, but there's people looking into it. So I certainly had PCOS during my twenties and then went on to develop sleep apnea. So I was mainly trying to raise awareness about the symptoms and treatment options for sleep apnea. So that if anybody listening with PCOS also recognize the symptoms of sleep apnea, they could follow that up with their doctor. So it was a really great um, conference and I was super grateful to be asked to speak at it. So then tomorrow, um, I'm going to Myrtle Beach in South Carolina, and I'm going to be speaking at the Carolina Sleep Society meeting. So I'm really looking forward to that. So if you're going to that meeting, then please come and say hi to me. Um, I love to meet people that um, listen to the podcast. So yeah, that should be really fun. Totally nerding out with a bunch of sleep people, which is my favorite thing. (laughs) So then the other thing before we get on to today's interview was a journalist reached out to me because she wants to write a story about my um, workbook. So if you've listened the last couple of weeks, I was talking about how I'd written a workbook called the Six Week CPAP Solutions Workbook for you guys, especially for people who are new and struggling CPAP users. So thank you so much to everybody who has bought that, and I hope it's being really helpful. Um, a journalist did reach out to me and just ask if there were any of the people who had got that workbook and used it who had found it helpful that she could maybe speak to and interview um so if that's you and you have found the workbook i wrote helpful in your cpap journey and you wouldn't mind speaking to a journalist about it then please email me at sleepapneastories at gmail.com and i can put you in touch with her 
Um, so now on to today's guest. So today I'm joined by Dr. Chris Allen, who's known as Sleep Dr. Chris on Instagram. Um, he is a board certified sleep medicine doctor for kids and adults. He's also board certified in pediatric neurology. And he says he does love neurology, but sleep is his passion. So he's on a mission to really help people get better quality sleep and to raise awareness um, all about sleep. And he calls himself a sleep superhero. So um, yeah, and if you, I just love following him on Instagram. So if you're not already following him, he's Sleep Dr. Chris. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Sleep Dr. Chris. Chris Allen. So thank you so much for joining me. Well, thank you for having me. Um, so I just wanted to tell everybody about how I first learned about you. So I was in Scotland with my eldest daughter going to see Harry Styles. It's a whole oh, thing. Wow. Um, and all, all my friends were getting ready to go to the sleep conference. And the whole like sleep community, especially on Instagram, is not very big. So I'd been to the sleep conference last year, and but this one I wasn't going to because I was going to be too tired after this big trip to Scotland. And so I come back and I just had the worst FOMO. And all my friends are like posting pictures with like Sleep Dr. Chris. And it's just like, so Dr. Chris, you know, like here he is with like, you know, all these different people that I know that I'm a bit like, who is this sleep Dr. Chris? <laughs> and why is he friends with everybody that I'm friends with? Who, you know, I'm totally missing out kind of thing. So then when I started following you on Instagram, I felt more like part of the gang. <laughs> oh, well, I appreciate that. And, I, and I, if honestly, I feel more a part of the gang as well. Um, I've been in the sleep community for a long time, and so I just decided to come out and um, put myself on the social media present, present, and, you know, someone told me, it's like, you know, you're a sleep influencer now. I'm like, hey, I'll take it. So Yeah, I love it. We need and, all hands on deck. Yeah, and so when I started my Sleep Dr. Chris page, um, it was actually a month before the sleep conference, because I've always wanted to do this. I always feel that, like, I love sleep medicine shameless plug. I'm also a pediatric neurologist and I love neurology, but sleep is my passion. Yeah. And I love talking about sleep. I get excited about it. You know, when people say, I know you're a doctor, I don't need, no, please talk to me about it because I can yeah. talk hours about it. And so I loved it. And I'm like, you know, I want to reach out to people in different ways and social media is one way. And I've seen some people in the sleep community that's been doing it and been doing a great job. And I'm like, you know what, let me put that out there and let me be authentically myself. Yeah. And so if you ever see some of the videos on me, like that's me, you know, I yeah. love to sing. So you might see me singing karaoke. I love yeah. to dance. There's been also, dancing. There's been rapping. Yes. Like that's a funny story <laughs> in itself, which um, I'm extremely humbled by it. Um, my close friends, they, um, they knew that I was doing this and they saw like how the traction it was picking up and my birthday passed and um, they all got together. They play, they um, I'm in Michigan. And so they paid this like um, Detroit rapper. It wasn't Eminem, but Hey, still great. Um, <laughs> yeah. this Detroit rapper to do um, 
assault. They're really good friends, but they're, they're not going to pay that much. <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> and the thing I is, mean, look, I don't, be... and that's the thing, I didn't even ask how much they paid. Yeah, yeah. They did that. And how they presented it to me, um, we usually have like a Zoom meeting where we like uplift each other. It's like, all right, let's do this. If anyone's having problems, and they said, and we usually do it on the weekends, but then it did that in a weekday, and I'm like, okay, what's going on? And it's usually like a good four group of friends, but then I started seeing like other people on this, and I'm like, whoa, what's going on? And I'm like, is this an intervention? I'm like, what am I doing wrong? Um, but the thing <laughs> is, is that they presented that song to me, and I was like, wow, I got. So my we're gonna do a link to your song. Instagram account in the show notes under this episode so oh. that people listening can go and check out what oh, we're talking about. <laughs> and the thing is, I, I made it simple. Sleep Dr. Chris. So if you put yep. that in and it's a DR, but if I think you type it, it'll still come up. Yeah. I'm just surprised Perfect. that that wasn't taken because, you know, I'm a Chris and, and you probably off the top of your head can think about 20 different Chris's easily. And so when that came, I was like, wow, that's not taken. It's well, meant take to it. be. That's why. Yeah. So let's get on to the thing that really um, was exciting to me about your story is is to, not that I want you to have sleep apnea, but I just think that it's great when doctors have sleep apnea themselves because it gives them a whole nother level of understanding. So do you want to talk to us a little bit? It might intertwine with the story of how you became a doctor and chose sleep and all that, but do you want mm-hmm. to take us through the story of your own um, journey to diagnosis and treatment with sleep apnea and what that looked like? Most definitely. And the thing is, is that um, when I talk to my patients, um, every patient that comes through, especially if I'm concerned if they do have obstructive sleep apnea, I make sure that they know. And I always tell them, it sounds like a cheesy commercial, like, you know, not only am I your doctor, I have obstructive sleep apnea. Yeah, (laughs) I think it's amazing though. Yeah, and so um, around 19 years ago, this was when I was like in med school and now this dating myself, but yes, around that time um, I was in class and they were actually talking about obstructive sleep apnea. And the thing is, is that with obstructive sleep apnea, um, and this is on the medical side, it should be talked about more. A lot of providers know about it. And in med school, we get maybe one to three lectures about it. And it might be intertwined with like some other stuff when you're talking about the lungs, but they really have like that one lecture from there. There should be more. I think they've gotten better over time. And so we're sitting in the lecture and I'm watching it and they're talking about the symptoms of obstructive sleep apnea, being tired in the daytime, snoring, pausing and breathing. And then... um, my girlfriend at the time and my friends, they're looking at me and they're all laughing. And I was like, well, what was going on? And they were like, that, that is you. And I'm like, no, it's not. And just even thinking about that, then I had one of those like um, M. Night Shyamalan moments where like, I think like this is the twist and you start thinking back. It's like, you know what? I do snore. I am tired. When I was younger, I would like, have people dread if we're going on like high school trips and they got to share a room with me. So all of that was happening. And then um, I was like, you know what? I might have it. And at that time I was in med school and um, they were affiliated with the VA and they were doing studies. And I was walking in the hallway, you see this flyer and it says, you know, do you snore? And had all the um, list of that. And it's like, are you currently not treated? And I'm like, I guess not. And so I went to that and they were doing um, studies on there. And I remember going into the room. I took pictures of it. 
which you just gave me a good idea. I should show that old picture. And so it was not, an overnight polysomnogram you did? Yes, they okay. did a polysomnogram. And then they also did some other tests during the daytime as well through it. I think it was like four different days that I had to go in there. And I remember the first night that um, I did the polysomnogram and over the morning, I just remember the sleep text just looking over me. And I'm like, what? It's like, oh yeah, you have sleep apnea. And so that was my um, introduction to like, you have sleep apnea. And from that study that, you know, as a parting gift, I was able to get CPAP through there. And so, um, and I tell this story to all my patients that, so when I started using it, I'm like, all right, I guess it works or whatever. Because, you know, when you're in med school, you're studying, you're going late. And so like, I was just exhausted anyway, just yeah. knowing that alone. But um, three months in, I went on a trip and I didn't take my CPAP with me and I felt horrible. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe there's there something. There might be something there. in this. And then, you know, um, along the way, you know, bed partners are like, look, keep that on. And then, you know, getting married. And so, you know, I get the nice little love tap if it's not on, you know, little things like that. And so I definitely noticed the um, difference with it. And um, with that, it just, it was just so amazing of like, you know, you don't know that you're missing good sleep until you get good sleep. Mm -hmm. I still don't know what that's like, but <laughs> that's just me. Um, so after you got, um, so you went through med school mm -hmm. and then did that kind of like pique your interest in this whole sleep thing? So, and it was funny through med school, which this is kind of like a dual question. Yeah, yeah. Um, so like, you know, in med school, so I wanted to be a doctor. And at that time, and still, you know, I was in love with like, um, I knew I wanted to treat children. And so um, I knew that process. But in med school, um, I fell in love with neurology because it's just beautiful how you can look at someone and tell what part of the brain that comes from. Mm -hmm. And so fell in love with that. And then while I'm doing my training, um, because I was training. So you're training pediatrics. in pediatric neurology or you train in neurology first and then. So it can work like four different ways for that. Okay. The way I did it, I did um, pediatrics. I actually fully finished a pediatric residency. So do, through those three years, then I went into the pediatric neurology portion of it. It was okay. a, it's still called a um, residency, but it's more of a fellowship where, well, they treat you like that because you already had your um, primary um, residency. Yes. And through that, um, towards the end of my um, pediatric neurology, um, through that time, still using my CPAP, wearing every single night on my call night, I had my duffel bag. And CPAP has gotten better throughout the years. It used to be this big. But yeah, yeah. Smaller. I mean, they used to be huge <laughs> like, oh yeah definitely yeah um, and i and i still see patients that have some of those old ones i'm like all right this belongs in the museum let's get you updated yeah um when i was doing that um i went to this um we have electives where you have to get your core um concentrations and when you're training and then one of them i was like well i have sleep apnea and there's a sleep clinic so let me do that um and so um at you know name drop at the university of chicago um i did a sleep clinic there for pediatrics and i just loved it i loved it so much because the thing is not only that i have obstructive sleep apnea but just seeing the the patients there and then with that i was like you know what i love neurology and i still want to do that but like sleep is calling me and I answered. And so um, another name drop. 
So I did my, um, I applied for a fellowship. And when I knew that I wanted to go into sleep medicine um, and just being a CPAP user myself and having sleep apnea, I was like, you know what? I, I really love sleep. And I applied for a fellowship and got in at the University of Michigan. So that's a super big name. Drop. Right. Yes. So I trained there and then, and, and um, University of Michigan is really big in the sleep community. Mm -hmm. um, shameless, you know, um, congratulations to them. There's a lot of people that got awards that were affiliated with um, either at University of Michigan or had an affiliated uh, affiliation with the University of Michigan at the last yeah. sleep conference. So I was very proud to be, you know, the Wolverine and me was very proud of that as well. <laughs> And so I did my training um, there. And through that training, when you train for sleep medicine for a doctor, you learn how to treat children and adults. Mm -hmm. And through that fellowship, oh, I mean, it was tough, but I loved it. And I was able to treat adults. I'm like, you know what? I will still treat children, but I want to treat adults for sleep as well. And knowing how it was um, personally. And so that's why I did that. And um and so and here I am. I'm practicing in Michigan. So for pediatric neurology, I see my pediatric patients. And then for sleep medicine, I see kids and adults. Okay, so I got a lot got of it. You got everything going on. Going back to like when you started CPAP yourself, like how easy was your transition? Were you one of those people that just slept with it and thought it was fine and so happy days and felt there? Oh, um, I wish. And I wish I could <laughs> tell my patients that, but that wasn't the case. Yeah. The first time I used it, I'm like, what is this? Because the thing is, is that, you know, teaching moment, CPAP, continuous positive airway pressure. And that last word is the most important part, pressure. Mm -hmm. You're literally wearing a mask and it provides, you know, a pressure to keep your airway open. doesn't matter if muscles are relaxing. And the thing is, is that I didn't know that then. So I'm laying down and I'm like, whoa, what yeah. is that? But then the thing is, you know, you sit in class and see all the complications that can happen from it. It's like, well, I don't want to have high blood pressure. Yeah. I don't want to, you know, get a stroke. Same. I don't want to have erectile dysfunction. So I'm yeah. going to wear this mask. Yeah. So, um, so wearing it, um, it was weird. And like waking up initially, I didn't notice that the difference. I mean, people around me. So if like someone's sleeping around me and they're like, wow, you're quiet. And yeah. family scared them the first time. He's like, I had to knock on the door. Is like, he dead? Do <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I get that with my patients all the time. And so um, the, I always tell people uh, when I see them in clinic um, with using CPAP, it's kind of like a hindsight moment. I always call it a hindsight um, appointment. And I'll have patients come in. It's like, well, I don't notice a difference at all. And I was like, well, all right, sir. Well, how many times are we waking up overnight? I don't know. Like once you were waking up seven times before you got here. Yeah. What is your wife saying? I'm not snoring. Like, that's a difference. <laughs> and then, you know, in our clinic, we do this um, sleepiness scale. And mm. the higher the score is, the sleepiest, sleepy you are. The highest yeah. number you get is 24. One yeah. patient is like 20. And he's like, oh, I don't notice the difference. His score is all the way down to like four. That's amazing. So, like, so it's always hindsight. And that's the thing about sleep. Um, sleep apnea is a slow killer. And so, um, you know, you hear all the stuff. It's not going to happen overnight. It happens over time. Small changes can make a big, big effect. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing for obstructive sleep apnea. And so going back to that story, yeah, three months in, I went to a conference. I forgot my CPAP. I'm like, all right, whatever. And I'm like, why do I feel horrible? Why I'm tired. My head hurts. I'm dragging. I'm like, okay. There might be something in this. Something, definitely. <laughs> yeah. 
That's awesome. And so this whole time you've just been using CPAP going along. Have you had any like needed to have your pressure changed or anything? Oh, happen well, or? most definitely. So yeah. and that's the thing, you know, with patients. Because I think sometimes for the people listening, like I think sometimes it's good to normalize like, you know, what it's actually like using CPAP because I think no, because there, the conversations aren't out there as much, like people just think if they don't immediately feel better and also like, you know, over time, you know, it's really important to keep going back. Like, I think a lot of people are like, well, why do I need to go for an annual visit? And it's like, well, because sleep apnea changes over time, yeah, right? Yeah, it's a sleep check. I was telling them the sleep checkup. It's a, it's your yeah. pit stop appointment. Yeah. When you're driving around a race, you got to stop and you got to make sure everything else is going well. Because mm-hmm. the thing is, when you notice something's wrong, it was happening months ago. And, you know, and, and that's the thing, because sometimes like, and the thing is I have, I call them my rock star patients using CPAP every single night. No problem. I see them as first times, like I've had this for eight years. And then the machines are smart enough to tell me how it's treating them. And then mm-hmm. I'll gasp. I'm like, I mean, we need to make some changes. And so the thing is they're doing their part. We need to do ours as providers to make sure that, Hey, this is still treating you. And you notice yeah. the difference because just how you know you didn't have sleep apnea when you're sleeping and all this is happening, you might not notice if there's a change too, or mm-hmm. it might be very subtle. Or, you know, usually you get it from the bed partner. It's like, um, you're snoring through that and then they'll call mm-hmm. and we can figure that out. And the thing is, is like pressure. I tell people it's kind of like wearing glasses. You know, people, you know, as soon as you wear glasses, they're on and yeah. you can see Clear as day, but what happens as soon as you take them off? You can't see. It's corrective. Mm-hmm. And so I'll have people's like, well, yeah, I've been doing well, so I just stopped using it. I'm like, now you're tired again, right? Yeah. I was like, and so that's the way. And so I agree with you um, about, you know, normalizing it. Because the thing is, is that um, it's a part of life. And we, you know, even spoke briefly earlier, like 80% of people who sleep apnea don't know they have it. Yeah, and that is striking, and that's and that's why I feel like I I do what I can, and personally knowing just the benefits from it, um, and some problems that I've had because you know I I'm, I'm working on my girlish figure, so my weight has been up and down. I used to be like, um, I kid you not, like almost um, forty five pounds heavier, mm-hmm. and so when you increase weight, you might have to increase pressure. I I usually see patients at least once or twice a year, like if they are, I call them my sleep rock stars, they're using their um, CPAP, they are being treated, and we notice the difference with that. Um, Some of my other problems, so when my weight is going up and down, so is my pressure. And Uh there's machines that are smart enough where you can use it automatically, even till this day, automatic settings. And I have a stark rule, it's like, look, I will not be my own doctor. You're using automatic settings? Yes, I am. Yeah. And then that helped because I knew my weight was like, you know, trending down. And, um, and so with that, you know, I, I'll, I'll see the check and say, wow, I mean, you know, the highest it wrapped up. pressure, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, higher pressure you can use in a regular CPAP is like 20 mm-hmm. and I've gotten all the way up to 17. Now it's like all the way down to, I think last time it was checked, like maybe 10 or 11. Okay. And I think this is that, you know, and it's not like the higher the pressure, the worse it is. It's just that what that's what's needed to correct it. To keep your airway open. Exactly. And the yeah. thing is, throughout the years, you know, everyone says that, you know, I've used CPAP. I've tried all these types of masks and it's not working. There are over 200 different types of masks. Myself being on CPAP for about 19 years now, 
I haven't used all the masks. So I know for a fact, like, you know, my patients or everyone else has not used it. That's kind of on my bucket list too. At least not use it. To but try them all? The not to, maybe not to try them all, but at least see them all. Like, okay, what masks are out there? Are you a new or struggling CPAP user? Are you waking up and flinging your CPAP mask across the room in frustration? Maybe you have mask leak, skin irritation, or wake up with a dry mouth. You might be dealing with uncomfortable trapped gas from swallowing air or hair breakage from your headgear. If any of this sounds familiar, I made a workbook just for you. The six-week CPAP Solutions Workbook is out now. It's just 30 pages and has been designed to give you all the answers to the most common CPAP problems. CPAP isn't for everyone, and I hear way too many stories of people abandoning their CPAP and leaving it on a shelf or in a closet. The workbook includes a six-week tracker that lets you see progress over time. And if CPAP therapy isn't going well for you, you can return to your doctor and show them that you've given CPAP therapy your best effort and ask about other treatment options. To order the six-week CPAP Solutions Workbook, follow the link at sleepapneastories.com or find the link in the show notes. When people say when they use CPAP therapy and, you know, they're claustrophobic, my, well, my take on there, there's a clinical definition of claustrophobia. Usually they're not claustrophobic, but they just don't like the mask on their face. Yeah. And there's masks for that. There's masks where you can still wear your glasses and still have that on. And so um, there's like also different early. ways to treat that. Like I, I recently have interviewed a couple of people to do with like behavioral sleep medicine. Oh, definitely. And I know that like certainly cognitive behavior therapy, like there's stuff yeah. that you can do there for people. Cause there are people that have a pretty extreme panic kind of claustrophobic no, feeling, you know? And yeah, it's, so and there people, are definitely things to do. There's something that's like CPAP desensitization. Yes. That you can do that. And remember, I also treat kids as well. Yeah. So I deal with that all the time. Like, you know, yeah. like a five-year-old here, put this mask on. Yeah. And, they're like, no. and kids with Down syndrome as well. Like I, exactly. you know, eventually somebody with a child with Down syndrome, that was yeah. really a, a like, big. You know, intellectual disability. And that's another talk where like, there's, yeah. well, actually it's a good segue because CPAP is not the only way to treat obstructive sleep apnea. Right. So when I see patients, I'm like, hey, you know, I'm Dr. Allen, and, you know, welcome to my clinic. He's like, well, I'm not using CPAP. I'm like, all right, well, <laughs> people, people open with that. Yeah. Oh, well, yes. It was like, yeah. I'm not going to use that mask. I don't use that C crap. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, I, let me tell you first. If you have a sleep disorder, and I always tell all of my patients this, there's many ways to treat obstructive sleep apnea. Yes. It depends on your severity. Yeah, it depends on and when we find out your severity, then I can give you options. And that's one of the biggest things I, love that, that. You know, I tell them. And I always tell them, like, look, I'm not getting endorsed by, you know, these CPAP companies. And it's not my job for you to use CPAP. My job is to make sure your, your obstructive sleep apnea is treated. And so and that's the biggest thing. So it tries to take the pressure off of them because you have insurances that was like, all right, you got to use this in three months. And if you don't use this, we're going to take I it know. away. That part know, can be very like um, off-putting for patients. Oh, I just think oh. like the, the whole 
pressure, especially like there's a couple of people I've interviewed with um, multiple sleep disorders at the same time. Mm-hmm. So people that are dealing with narcolepsy mm-hmm. who are really, you know, like already dealing with some other narcolepsy symptoms during the night. Like if you add in using CPAP to that, it's a lot to get used to, you know? Yeah. And the thing is, is that, yeah, there's always like hormobid um, disorders that can happen at the same time and yeah. you want to meet them somewhere. One thing I will say about insurance and it's the thing is, is that um, they make it the minimum of hours that you need to use CPAP. Sometimes people will take that as like, oh, I only need like four hours. It's like, no, no. you just need a minimum. And I was like, look, Dr. Okay, Rattles let's spend a lot of time breaking this down because it oh, yeah. drives me insane. Well, so uh, I was on you. a webinar maybe like three weeks ago or something. Mm-hmm. And there was a man on there who was saying, oh, I have sleep apnea myself. And I'm still kind of like building up to the four hours that I'm supposed to be using it. And to me, I'm like, no, you're supposed to be using it all night and whenever you sleep and during naps and all time, just because like I've interviewed people who have lost loved ones, you know, because they, the one time they didn't use their CPAP, like, you know, they. Yeah. And and that's why I call it the slow killer over time. You know, it can take a toll on you. And even if you're not, and if you're using it even partially, it's only treating it. And like I said, yeah. it's correct. When you're, when you're wearing it, right? Exactly. So can and you I, explain to people like what those insurance, maybe we can break down like what who, those requirements are. And- for insurances, you know, at the end of the day, an insurance job is to make sure that they provide you um, your equipment and healthcare yeah. and they provide the money. And the thing is, is that they want to hold the like you accountable for making sure that you're actually getting your treatment through that. Um, they've done studies and that's why they decided to say that they, you want to get at least a minimum of four hours of usage. And they call that compliance, meaning that you're using it and they will continue to give the money to pay for the machine, to continue to give you the money to pay for the supplies. Um, technically, you need anywhere between seven to nine hours of sleep. So if you're getting the recommended amount of sleep, and of course, if there's problems, you can work you know, through that. Um, then you should be meeting that criteria. So the first, and the thing is, is that insurance says that you got to get a sleep study and within 30 to 90 days, you have to show us that you're using this. You you gave us a good 30 days, or at least four hours in a month, 70% of that month. Yeah. And so I just say, look, follow what Sleep Dr. Chris is saying. Like use it every single night, try to get seven hours of sleep with it if you're having problems we work with that but that's your goal anytime you're sleeping you're using it Um, because if you don't then they're not going to pay then the medical equipment company that gives it to you they're going to take it right back because they're not getting paid and so you know um with starting cpap therapy the hardest part is like the first three months because one you've never used this before yeah you're trying to get used to a mask, try to get used to this lifestyle. And there are patients and people that when they do it, it's no problem. But when there's problems, then, you know, that's where the, um, where my colleagues throughout the sleep world will help out with that. And sometimes it's unfortunate because, you know, I have my colleagues that are, you know, that are not sleep trained and they, you know, they are aware of sleep apnea. And sometimes, you know, they'll give them a sleep study. It's like, oh, I'll just start on the CPAP. But then they're having problems, but then they don't have the support. You don't have the support, then they get their CPAP taken away. Then you're just upset. Like, look, this didn't work. 
I, I tried CPAP before. I didn't like There's it. so many parts to sleep apnea that are so frustrating oh, yes. for patients. And this is and, one of them <laughs> for sure. Right. And so the, the best way to do that is like, you know, what we're doing now, we're making a podcast where we're talking about it, education, right. it, education to my colleagues, education to the medical equipment company to say like minimum four yeah. hours, not four hours. Cause I've had right. like, we'll set an alarm four hours, then take it off. Right. And then unfortunately, when you do that, it underestimates. And so when I see them back, I'm like, sorry, you didn't meet this um, compliance period because it says you have three hours and 50 minutes. Right. And you're like, well, I didn't use it for two days. That's what knocked it under. Yeah. So if if people are starting out, just aim for all night whenever yes. you're sleeping and you should right. be golden. <laughs> right. And then communication. Like if you're having so problems... So like, what kind of support do you guys have, like, if people are having those problems? Because so I know it varies dramatically. Oh, it does. And, it's, and, you know, in, in the world of medicine, there's like, you know, there can be shortages. So you might not have as much support of what yeah. you want. What I typically do is like we I when I have them come back, I have them come back right in the middle of that compliance period. So even if they did meet it, we still got some time. So yeah. I make sure that they can come back. I also tell them, I was like, look, if I could read minds, I wouldn't be working this job. You know, I'd be in Hollywood. They're like, look, it's leave Dr. Chris. He's reading minds. Yeah. <laughs> That's not the case. So I tell them, like, you got to call to let us know because the medical equipment companies that get paid to like give them the supplies, they have people there to help them too. Mm -hmm. So it's like three places. They can get it from my clinic. They can get it from the medical equipment company. Mm -hmm. And even at my um, sleep disorder um, clinic that I work with, um, they have people that can help too. So it's That's about great. communicating. And the thing is, is anyone out there, if you're just got CPAP therapy and there's something wrong with it, make sure to communicate that. Don't wait for yeah. a follow-up appointment. Don't try it and then throw it and out. And also don't try it one night and then put it on the shelf or in the drawer and exactly. not do anything else to treat your sleep apnea. Because I exactly. think that there's this idea out there that CPAP is the only solution. And so people and feel like, I well, them. I tried that and it didn't work for me. And then they don't go back to their doctor and say, this didn't work out. What else do you have? Exactly. And I think that's the biggest thing with the communication, if it's not working. And the thing is, is that, you know, when there's problems and you're not, you know, in tune with a sleep professional, then try to find a sleep professional because they can give you more options than what's seen yes. that's out there. So, for example, there's literally a, a piece you can put in your mouth, not the ones on those 800 commercials, but an actual like mandibular advancement device. That's yes. what they call it. It looks like a mouthpiece. It moves your jaw forward just overnight where you get comfortable, where it opens up your airway. So that's one way. Yeah. Um, there's a commercial that comes out um, all the time and on the radio where there's a hypoglossalner stimulator. It's called the Inspire device. It's constantly on that. the radio. There's And there's even like surgery as well that can mm -hmm. correct it as well too. Not just like with the nose because it's not your nose um, that can help when people you know fix that and, um, and keep it mm -hmm. open. But it's all the way it's happening back here. And mm -hmm. so there's surgeries to do that. Usually see congestion that in your nose and problems with um, the amount of air you can take into your nose definitely play a factor. Exactly. Now, as yeah. far as like they've shown studies with that, where as far as. Because um, otherwise usage, we'll have Dr. Karen Davidson calling up and being like, what about nasal resistance? And no, no, like <laughs> no. The thing is, is that no, I agree. So I'm saying that. 
it's not just that right help with the airway and that can help with treating your sleep apnea yeah. but there's resistance but the the apnea part most likely ha um, happens right. all the way in the back yeah and so so yeah, there's options out there. You know, CPAP's not the only option. A lot of people know about that. And then you have two types of people that heard about CPAP. They have that friend that swears by it and it's their second Bible. It's like, look, I love the thing. I can't sleep without it. This is like better than sliced bread. Then you have the other ones like, look, I tried it. I didn't like it. I never want to see this again. If I see it in the middle of the street, I'm yeah. going to keep driving and not looking and run it over. You yeah. know. But, and then there's a third large category of people like me who diligently use their CPAP every single time they're asleep and their numbers look good and they're just really tired <laughs> so, so there's been a know, lot we have to talk after this because that that wets my chops I'm like what it's like so you know what um <laughs> and and the thing is even with that oh I can I, I said I can talk about this for hours <laughs> like that means that um, yeah, you're doing your part. And if you're still tired, there's some things that can happen along with that. And there's some studies that show that, especially depending on the severity, because you'll still have that, that subset of people that they're doing what you said. It's like, look, I'm still tired. There's also, I, I, I interviewed um, one of my favorite interviews with, with Dr. Alan Pack from the University of Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. And he's been doing a really interesting research study in Iceland where he's grouped different people so he's taken people that are doing really well with CPAP so they're super compliant and then after two years he um they've kind of been looking at which ones are feeling really well rested and which ones are still sleepy and it's super interesting research so it's really depressing for people like me because I think that an element of it is probably going undiagnosed for so long and being hypoxic for so long and that's so, one of the studies that show that because there yeah. can be like you know the neurologist in me, there can be some damage yeah. from there, especially within the wake centers mm -hmm. that can still make you tired. And, yeah. but the good thing is, is that there's also ways we can help people that are doing their part and they still, you know, are sleepy or have hypersomnia. Mm -hmm. And um, that's the, the great thing about it. And that's the great thing about like getting quality sleep is like sleep is just so important. Um, so I did want to ask you about, um, you did a really great reel recently about um, representation. Oh, and yeah. we've done a bunch of different um, episodes with like Dr. Dana Johnson and Dr. Robert Turner, and they've been working a lot of, around health equity mm -hmm. and especially getting the message out in the black community about obstructive sleep apnea and the need to get tested and treated and some of the specific issues with that. So I guess I just wanted to kind of ask you a little bit about your choice to kind of put yourself out there on Instagram and and that representation as a black man with sleep apnea who's treating it. Um, just to be like, um, to sum it up, in one sentence, and then I'll extrapolate after that. You know, that's that's been the story of my life. Um, as far as things I've wanted to do, things of moving forward, I might not see people that look like me that's doing it. Right. Sometimes that can be discouraging. So I feel like representation definitely does matter. Seeing someone that's doing what you want to do that looks like you. Yeah. Be that it's, you know, black, be that it's someone that's handicapped, be that you're, yeah. you know, a woman or, you know, um, Asian, it's representation definitely does matter with that. And, mm -hmm. you know, I've been more times than not being like the only one doing what 
I'm doing. And so I tell people, I was like, look, you got to see the dream. If you don't see the dream, be the dream. So someone can right. see the dream. Right. And that's one of the biggest things. And especially um, just in the um, Black community, there are disparities there and um, they're not getting the care that they need. There's been tons of studies with that, just even outside of sleep medicine in yeah. general. And so definitely when I have my um, Black population that I definitely see, I'm, you know, it's important to me that they are aware and that they can have those tools as well. And some people don't know that. And that's one of the, another big reasons why I am doing this on Instagram, because, hey, you know, there's a saying, you know, I'm not that young, but I'm not that old either, where, you know, people do it for the gram and, you know, you're on there and you're hitting people that may not hear that. You know, some yeah. people may not be in a lecture to hear this, to say that they just might be scrolling through and they see a reel and it's like, ha look at him. He's dancing. It's like, wait a second. Do I snore? Yeah, I do snore. Wait yeah. a second. I do have some pausing and breathing. Well, I wait, think it's, Let so, me click on this. it's such a huge problem, right? That people yeah. are not getting diagnosed and treated right. enough. And one thing I've learned even doing this on social media is that we know it and it's second nature to us. Yeah. But a lot of people don't. And one, and I remember right. starting Sleep Dr. Chris and um, and there's this hairdresser I was talking to. It was a friend that I went to like high school with. And she was like, you know what? Because of you, I know I got to get seven hours of sleep. And so I was just telling my man, look, I need to get my seven hours of sleep. And I was like, you know what? This is why I'm doing it. Right. It's like a little nugget that can go, you know, far from there. And, you know, the thing is, is that I'm in medicine, so I get to sit in the lectures. I get to hear those studies. I get to hear yeah. the studies when you don't get good sleep and what happens. I get to hear this, um, the lectures on what happens when you're not getting your sleep apnea treated, or if you have high blood pressure and it's still uncontrollable, but yet you still have a sleep disorder, or if you have narcolepsy and your quality of life is not great yeah. or restless leg syndrome. So I very fortunate for that and just circling back to what we're saying about like getting that information out there I've countless of times I've seen people even like within the black community my people that are getting treated that are noticing the difference and that can move forward and then even starting at a younger age because even with obstructive sleep apnea in kids mm -hmm. um it doesn't look like it does in adults and so their symptoms might um imitate ADHD. Right. And so all these kids that are, um, and, and I'm very fortunate, like I said, I'm a pediatric neurologist, that I've had to see them for ADHD. And I'm like, wait a second, does he snore? And the mom's like, all the time. And I'm like, yes. well, how loud? And then we get a sleep study to have severe obstructive sleep apnea, and then yeah. they get treated. Their grades got better. They're not as hyperactive. Mm -hmm. And granted, you can still have obstructive sleep apnea and like ADHD. Yeah. But that's the biggest thing about getting tools out there. And so yeah. that's why I, I do that. And well, I'm really um, glad you're doing what you, you're doing. Yeah. And so the other thing I just wanted to say really quickly is I saw one of your reels where you're working out with your wife. And then I was mm -hmm. like, oh, sleep so Dr. Chris's wife is on Instagram. Let me go over there and follow her. Oh, my God. She's a total rock star. Oh, first of all, um, the reason why I'm doing this is because of her. Right. Um, and that like she was like, you need to do this. No, by example, um, shameless plug for her. Wise weight management. Yeah, so let's she's, do um... shameless plugs because <laughs> I love her. Yeah. So she does obesity medicine and, um, and it's that good combo sleep. You yeah. know what? I help them get quality sleep so they can lose weight. Right. And, um, 
and seeing her do it, I was like, you know what? She's putting the message out there. She's telling people about, you know, realistic goals on losing weight and how you should lose weight. And before she got big into her, her obesity medicine, I was her test subject, you know, making sure I'm eating the right foods. And, and um, she's one of the big reasons why I was able to lose, you know, all that weight. So yeah. she she was um, as many times in life and I don't have enough time to talk about how she's inspired me, but she definitely was a big inspiration for that. And then she's she's also said she's well, your workout partner. Yeah. Um. And, yeah. And the thing <laughs> is, is that. Yeah. And she um, and she's out of us. She's the one that's the athletic one, you know, grew up running. And so like it took up, you know, running because of that, um, being consistently active and just doing the small things. And so definitely um, big inspiration for that. And the thing is, and, you know, she told me, it's like, look, you like doing all this, you know, social media stuff. So, yeah. why don't you, just try, you know, why don't you try yeah. it? And she's like, it'll be easy for you. And so I was like, you know what, let me try it. And so I'm putting it in there. I'm being my authentic self because I saw her be her authentic self in there. Right. And yeah. And so. Well, it's awesome. Thank you so much for all that you do. You're out there. Got <laughs> articles and I'm like, yeah. you know, I'm doing my social stalking on you. And I'm like, man, she's doing some good stuff. And like, and all this oh, stuff. That's really podcast, I'm really, yeah, I'm really excited. And especially it's just something in the sleep world to help. And so whenever there's the next um, sleep conference that you go to, hey, we'll uh, drink on me. Okay. Thanks so much for listening. I love hearing from you. If you'd like to be featured in an upcoming episode, please email me at sleepapneastories at gmail.com. That's also the place to get in touch if you just want to say hi or ask a question. Alternatively, you can always reach me on Instagram. My handle there is at sleepapneastories. If you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen. This really helps a wider audience to find the episodes and I really appreciate it.